The section we're going to look at in the book of James today has maybe the most famous verse on listening in the Bible. But it's part of a bigger uh, context. It's part of a bigger, don't miss the kind of forest for the trees, right? I think in any of these sort of talks, the person wants to tell you that if you just fix this one thing, it'll fix all this stuff. But it actually matters what you're listening to, doesn't it? Not just how you're listening. We've come to the book of James, a, a book that is amazingly practical to how we live every day. And so I encouraged you last week to uh, make sure you have a good study Bible. That'll help you as you read and study for yourself. And then we looked at James chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 16, which really dealt with this idea of uh, how do we deal with hard things in life, right? And I mentioned to you that James is a book for people who have been scattered, people living in new places with some new problems, and a letter from an old friend, the, the writer of the book of James is their former pastor who loves them and cares for them. So uh, that's where we've been. And what I'd like to do today in about 20 minutes or so is just read through the end of this chapter and pretend that you are reading this on your own in a morning before your day. And say, okay, what's the big idea here that God wants us to get? And then how do I ask some good questions to take something away from it for myself? Make sense? Um, but hopefully it's helpful to you. Uh, as we study it together. Let's pray, and we'll jump into James uh, chapter 1. God, thank you for your word, that it guides and directs us into the truth, that it is the truth. Thank you that it um, shapes and transforms and changes us, and uh, we pray that as we work through the book of James together, it would shed light into our lives and give us strength for what we will walk out these doors into. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. James chapter 1. So if you were reading this on a morning with your cup of coffee or tea or whatever your morning beverage of choice is, what idea keeps coming up in these verses? I'll give you a hint. It's not listening, although listening is important. What idea keeps coming up? What's the central? What? Doing, right? The idea of not just hearing, but doing. Well, I would say that's a connected idea to the main idea, just like listening is a connected idea to the main idea. What? The word, right? Look at all the places that the word or God's word comes up in these verses. Can you find some of them? Just tell me where it comes up, what verse it's in. Yeah, the word of truth, verse 18. What else? Yeah, 22. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Where else? Yeah, the word is implanted or uh, engrafted is the idea. Yeah, that's right. So same idea, but a little different wording. The one who looks into the perfect law. I think we're only missing one, but it's a repeat of another one. 23, right? Be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Or be a... That one. If anyone is a hearer and not a doer... Whatever I said, don't do it. Just go the other way. <laughs> so this whole section is really about this idea of experiencing God's word. So the book is about living by faith. So God's word is at the center of it. And this makes sense, right? Because James is talking to people scattered all over the world with lots of problems. And so he kind of brings them back to two key ideas as he gets started. The first is this. God has a purpose in your pain. So, so endure. Stay faithful, right? And then he goes right to this 
Uh, the Word of God is central for your life. You need it. And you need to be more than just hearing it, right? So let's look real quickly and answer three questions. What is the Word of God like? How are we supposed to receive it? How are we supposed to respond to it? Okay? So let's jump in there. What is the Word of God like? If you were just making some notes in your own Bible as you were reading in the morning, as we look through these verses, what are the characteristics of the Word of God and what does it do? So what is it like? What does it do? I'll make this easy. I'll give you an example, right? What's the first reference to God's Word in verse 18? It is what? The Word of truth. It is true, right? So that's something we see about God's Word. What else? Okay, where do you see that? Verse 21, right? Do you think from just looking at verse 21 that he's just saying it's able to save you from your sin in like the eternal sense? Right, look at the verse. Look at verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant me wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So there's a sense that God's word is both what shows us our need for an eternal savior, but it's also what saves us from sin every day, right? That's the gospel starting in your life and carrying all the way through, right? So it saves us. What else is the word like? Okay, it's the perfect law, right? And we tend to think about laws as um, binding, right? But what's the other thing that goes with that idea of a perfect law? It, it sets you free, right? To live the way that God created you to live, if we went all the way back to the way we started this morning, right? What else is true about God's Word? It reflects who you are. What's, what's, the, what's the picture? James likes to use pictures, so he talks about God's Word being like something, like a mirror. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? I did. Told me some things. Got out of the shower, <laughs> looked in the mirror. I don't know if your mirror talks to you. Mine does. Not really. It's not like a fairy tale mirror, but it, it, it tells me some things. Right? So I got out of the shower, and the mirror told me, you need to shave. You need to trim that beard and shave. So I did that. I listened to the mirror. Um... Mirrors tell us simple things like you uh, need to wash your face or you have something in your teeth. Or... But then, have you ever noticed that mirrors, like, they go deeper than that? Isn't that frustrating? Like, I look in the mirror, and even though I don't know where this is coming from, the mirror says, you need to run on the treadmill. <laughs> I see you. And it says, wow, you have a lot of white hair in your beard for being 38. You're getting old. Now, now, did the mirror create anything? What did it do? It just showed me what was already there. Do you know that's exactly what God's Word does? It, it's actually not condemning you in a bad way. It's just saying, this is who you are. The Bible tells us that through the law comes the knowledge of sin. It's just like, hey, you know those desires that you have? They're sinful. You had them anyway. But it just, it just reflects, tells us who we are. What else does God's word do? Or what's it like? What about verse 18? It's the word of truth, but what, is it, what did it do? It saved us. It brought us forth. It gave us life. 
So as we read it and understood God and we understood that Jesus died for our sins and then God used that to help us to turn from our sin in terms of Jesus as our Savior, it gave us life through the Spirit. I thought this one was interesting. I don't know why I hadn't ever made this connection, but look at verse 17. Where does God's word come from? God the Father. And what is he like? It's unchanging. It's from an unchanging source. It never changes. What else is it like? What is God like as a father? What does he do? He gives good gifts. Do you know this, this truth that we hold in our hand is a good gift from God? It's funny how we get attached to other things we wish God would give us. In a sense, the, the thing that we most needed truth about himself, truth about life, truth about how we could have our sins forgiven, truth about how we should live every... He's given it to us. So, how should we receive God's word? We're supposed to receive with meekness the implanted word. You know what that... Some translations say the engrafted word. The idea is that God, like, supernaturally makes his word um, a part of your life. He implants it. He grafts it into you. I did a little research on grafting. By the way, you can do this in your own Bible study anytime you want. Like as you read something and as you study, like take a detour and say, man, I'd like to understand that idea anymore. This is kind of a bit of what grafting looks like. You know what this tells me about myself and my need for God's word? There are some limbs that I have naturally been born with that need to be cut out (laughs) and replaced. Like, I'm filled inherently with self-serving. I, 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 have not, I was not born with self-control. But, but I need God's word to, to come into my life and develop something in me that I don't have. There's a lot of things like that. I think if you look at your own life, you would see things. Here's some things about grafting. Grafting into a tree requires that you wound the tree. Think about how that connects to God's word changing your life. Grafting requires a closeness between the the new limb and the old limb. Grafting actually produces a better plant, a plant that produces more fruit and earlier fruit. It can actually make a plant resistant to disease. When God's word comes into your life, Psalm 119 says, it protects you from sin. Grafting works hand in hand with careful pruning. John 15 tells us God is carefully pruning you. So look back in James 1. How should we receive God's word? Gladly. How, from the text, where are, you, where are you taking that from? Or are you just, is that a general thought? Okay. We're thankful for God's word. That's true. What should be our approach? To receiving God's word. James is saying this is crucial for your life. Remember what Jesus said? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How should we receive it? Humbly, where'd that come from? That one came out of the text. Verse 21, receive with meekness or humility. Why is humility so important to our receiving of God's word? Yeah, so I don't come to it saying, God, I need to hear from you. I actually have some ideas about life that trump, you know, they're more important than God's word. Why is humility so important? What's the mirror going to tell you about yourself? 
<laughs> yeah. And, and on the, by the same token, God is not what you think he is. No matter how long you've been to church, no matter how many ideas you have conceived, you actually need, you need the Bible to tell you fully who God is. Right? So humbly, how else should we come to God's word? How should we receive God's word? Okay, right. We should be quick to hear what God has to say. We should come and say, I'm, I'm ready to listen. Whatever you have to say, no matter what the mirror says, I want to know. By the way, that's why we look in a mirror, right? I mean, maybe some of us are like, I'm done with that. I'm not sure I really want to know. But we look because we want to know. How about should we receive God's word? Okay. With a heart that says, God, I, I know there are areas that need to change. And by the way, shouldn't we expect it to change us? Right? I mean, isn't, isn't that what verse 18 says? It, saved, it, it brought us to life. Verse 21, it's going to get implanted and engrafted. It's going to change us. Yeah, so I'm just going to assume that coming, I'm looking in the mirror because there's some stuff that's, there's dirt on there that I'm, I'm going to need to see. That should be our heart when we sit and listen to preaching on Sunday. Is, hey, this is going to come into my world and disrupt my life. And I want it to do that. Right? I mean, it was interesting. I was thinking about this as Danny was preaching this morning. As Danny's preaching this morning, right, there's all these burning questions about what the Bible says about divorce and remarriage, aren't there? And, and doesn't our heart say, hey, can you just go through that list and answer those questions for me? Because that would really help me know the answers to the things that are really, like, bugging me. And Danny just faithfully goes to the text. He says, you know what Jesus said? This is what's true about marriage. And do you know what all our hearts actually needed in this room more than all our questions answered? Is we actually need to hear from God to say, hey, don't forget, this is, this is what marriage really is. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to go through this week with that picture, that glue picture, and think about my marriage and that God has called me to hold fast. So where is it, where does it need, you know, Maybe it's Elmer's glue right now and it needs some super glue or, you know, where, do, where does it need strengthened? Where as a, as a husband who leads my home do I need to, to, to work and, and press on and pray that God would tighten that bond? Like, that's what God has to say this morning. So that doesn't answer all my questions. It, it answers the one that we need, that our hearts need, Right? Any other thoughts here how we should receive God's word? Yeah, whoever looks in the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, continues in it, right? Choose on what they learn. This morning is not enough. We need God's word all through the week. And, and we don't just need it in the morning. We need it throughout our day. We just need it continually. Good. Lastly, how should we respond to God's word? So we receive it. We listen with humility. It's a good gift from God. It's going to change us. How should we respond? Act on it by doing something. If you don't do something, then God's word hasn't gotten to its destination, right? Turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Familiar story, familiar picture. James likes to talk in pictures. Jesus talked in pictures a lot. Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them 
will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And whoever hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. I was thinking this week about the book of Acts and when people heard God's word in Acts chapter 2, they said, it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? When Paul saw Jesus, when Saul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, Acts 9, he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you'll be told what you are to do. Luke 11, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and they do it. Right? I mean, I mean it's great to hear about marriage and go, man, that, that was some good stuff this morning. But God's intent for us when we come to his word is to change our marriages. It's to help us to see him for who he is and change how we live, to do something about it. Right? Go back to James 1. What happens? Well, James is kind enough to give us a couple examples. Verse 26. Well, maybe I'll let you look. Verse 26 and 27. If God's word is in us, we're hearing it, we're receiving it, and we're responding to it, what are some examples of what might happen in our lives? What would it change? It would change how we talked. We would, we would bridle and control our tongues. I love how James later says, if, if anyone doesn't ever sin with their tongue, they're perfect. Right? And our tongues operate in all kinds of different ways. Can I tell them? So step forward, I asked for permission. <laughs> Colleen and I had a doozy of a fight Wednesday morning. I mean a good one. Um, I mean not a good one. <laughs> uh, to the point that I sent her flowers Wednesday afternoon, which I, I, I don't do often, but this was a flower sending sort of moment. And it went a little something like this. I was so frustrated that morning, I had gotten up to go to school, and Colleen reminded me that I actually had an extra hour on Wednesdays. Forgotten about that. It's the beginning of the school year. I'm still getting into a routine. So I work at a school, so I had an extra hour. And I could tell that she wanted to rest some more, right? We have a three-year-old, so all she wants to do is rest. Rest and quiet, right? Quiet and rest, and it's a lot better. So I left her to rest, and I made breakfast for Timothy. Like, rearranged my plans for the morning. We made pancakes, and had a good time. But in the midst of making pancakes, Tim went into the room a few times. The pots and pans were banged loudly. Couldn't find something, so I asked, right? So what happened to sleep? So I went back in at some point into the room, and, I was, and she was clearly irritated because she wasn't sleeping. And then I felt upset because she wasn't grateful that I was caring for Timothy. And so and so I walked into the room, and she goes, well, I'll just get up. I said, no, you need to sleep. She goes, I'm not sleeping anyway. And I walked out the door with Timothy. I closed the door, and I said, your mom needs to sleep. She's near a mental breakdown. 
So about 10 minutes later or so, Colleen comes out of the bedroom finally and comes into the kitchen. She's upset. I'm upset. I don't know if anybody else, you both get upset, and then it's just upset upon upset. And I said, uh, I said, why are you upset? I'm just dumb. So then she said, you told our son that I was near a mental breakdown. It was at that point, somehow it had taken me that long to figure out that that was a really bad thing to say. So Then we're trying to hash out, I apologize, but it's still a mess and we can't get on the same page. I don't know if any of you try to like make things right and they don't actually get better. So then she goes, well, what, what is going on in your world today? Because my schedule is always all over the place. And I said, you know what? You don't really care about me and my schedule anyway, so I'm just going to leave. To which she said, that's great. You go be kind to some other people. <laughs> which was true. <laughs> like, that was fair. I actually chuckled at it later in the day because I felt like it was, man, our words, we can just... So when God's word is working in us and through us, it, we're learning not to say you're on the edge of mental breakdown. <laughs> we're learning not to say you don't care about me. We're learning not to say you be kind to other right? We're learning to bridle our tongues. I know that only happens in my home, so there you go. What else is happening when God's word is working in us? Our tongues are becoming controlled. What else? James 1. Look at those last few verses. What else is happening when God's word is dwelling in us? We're going to care for people who are on the margins, who are uncared for, who have deep needs, genuine needs, and are hurting, right? The illustration here is widows and orphans. We uh, went out to lunch, and Billy won't appreciate me embarrassing her, but I'll do it anyway. We went to lunch with Billy uh, on Sunday, we, took, we went over to Asa's Boy Scout thing, and um, Billy was just relaying that her last child, who um, lives in the area, just let her know she's going to be moving. And so they've lived kind of in the Salt Lake City area together, and her daughters helped care and, and helped in any way she could, I think, uh, with Billy. And they were like, hey, just so you know, Mom, we're moving to California. Well, that, that leaves Billy. Alone to some degree, right? Yeah. You know what? Do you care? Do I care? We should care. Right? And that's not to make an example out of Billy. That's just to say we have people all around us who have real needs that we should care for. What else happens when God's word is in us? Last one. We care for people in need. Yeah, we stay clean. We, we, God, God makes us clean through his word in a world that is a mess. James is laying these foundational things. How do I deal with things that are hard? And, and am I, is the word all over my life? Am I, am I diving into it? Am I receiving it? Because it's the thing that God uses to shape and mold us. Next week, Nick Peterson is going to jump in. He's going to teach chapter two. And uh, so he'll teach here for two weeks. And then uh, Lloyd's teaching for a couple weeks. Uh, then Daniel, then Paul. And so excited to continue our journey through the book of James. Lord, we thank you for your word. It truly is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, and uh, we pray that we would fill our hearts and minds with your truth, that we might know you better, that we might know ourselves better, that you might shape us 
into the image of your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.